If you were here last week, we, uh, this is like a two-week series, a little mini-series right now, talking about the whole thing of the, the question I asked last week is this, do you want to be blessed? And if you weren't here, you probably were asking what a strange question to ask uh, of people because, yeah, everybody wants to be blessed, right? Uh, the problem was, as we talked about last week, was the definition of what it means to be blessed. Because in a sense, the, the word blessing and the word being blessed, uh, that, that whole concept is something that's throughout Scripture. But we kind of hijacked it in the American culture and used it for something that really the Bible doesn't talk about. Because as I shared last week, one of the things so often when we think about being blessed, it's always tied into you know, financial gain, like winning the lottery or, or you know, I shared last week, you know, winning the HGTV. Have you all signed up for it this week, by the way? I mean, not TV, HGTV dream home or no, it's a smart home right now whatever it is you know it's only 1.2 million dollars so i mean i'm sure you don't need it but uh you know we think that would be a blessing you know while that would be pretty cool you know if uh, one of you wanted or me particularly um the, the thing would be is that uh you know that's not necessarily a blessing according to god's word because give, you know you've heard horror stories of people winning the lottery and, and then they you know this destroys all the relationships so it's not always a blessing but for some reason, when we think of blessing, people say, well, I'm blessed. You know, they think, well, everything's going perfect in my life, and I've got a lot of resources. And so that's kind of the deal as well. So this morning, we're going to talk about uh, something else. We're going to tie it in. So we talked about that last week. And, and last week, we kind of came to a conclusion biblically that what the Bible talks about being blessed is, is really different because, in, in a sense, uh, the key to being blessed is if you want to be blessed, you need to learn to be generous. You need to learn to be unselfish. Because throughout Scripture, it talks about, and, and Paul referred to one of Jesus's, uh, they call it the, un, the unknown uh, or the un, commit, uh, un, unknown uh, blessing. It says in Acts 20, 35, it says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that was something that Paul was quoting. He said, Jesus said. And so uh, we see that somewhere. Now, this whole deal of giving and the tying in together of blessings is really important because the word give is a really important word in Scripture. So often in, in life, when we are, it's something important in our life, what do you usually do? You kind of repeat it over and over, right? You talk about it a lot. And it's interesting, if you go to class 201, Carl Figg, who is my accountability partner, he and I had a really great conversation on Tuesday about this, and he headed off uh, yes, uh, actually Friday for the fourth visit to the Holy Land uh, with his, with, he's taken all of his kids, they're all, the youngest one now is, is uh, at Moody, and uh, he's taken all his kids to the Holy Land. What a cool thing to do uh, as a parent, to be able to spend time with each one of his kids, or at least most of his kids there in the Holy Land. But we were talking about this because he teaches class 201, which has to do with spiritual habits. And one of the habits that he talks about is this whole thing of giving. And one of the things that we shared that's in that uh, class structure is, is how interested it is in Scripture about some key Bible words. And so let me, let me just give you some uh, four key Bible words and how often they're used, and shows, it shows a little bit about the importance of this giving concept. For instance, the word believe is used 272 times in the Bible. You can go to the next slide, I believe. 272 times in the Bible. The word pray is used 371 times in the Bible. The word love is used 714 times. Those are all important words, right? You know, believe, pray, love. But the word give are are, are, are poor, uh, words that are derived from the word give are used 2,162 times in Scripture. That's out of the NIV version of the Scriptures. So obviously this whole concept of giving is important. And why does Jesus, and why does the writers of Scripture talk about it so much? And I think the reason is this, is because God knows, and we talked about this uh, as well in Scripture the last couple of weeks, is that God knows that giving 
is, in a sense, one of the biggest barriers that we often have to going to the next step with God. Because we have this idea that if the more I have, the better, the more happy I'm going to be. But we know that's not true in reality because sometimes our, when you have a lot of stuff, your stuff owns you instead of you owning your stuff. And so God talked about this throughout Scripture in different, in different ways. Uh, Paul, the, the writer of many of the books of the New Testament, uh, he, he, matter of fact, he said, he's talked about this in Philippians 4.12. He said this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being what? With lots of stuff. No, it's, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry or living, uh, whether living in plenty or in want. Basically, Paul talked about this, that really contentment and blessing, which is tied together, is in learning to be content where you, where you are. It doesn't mean you have, don't have drive or motive or anything, but being content where you are with the stuff that you have in life. And if, if you'll never content with stuff where you are, you'll never have really blessing in your life because it'll always be wanting more and more and more and more. And so that's why giving is such a big thing. So I want to kind of talk about this, that today a little bit more because last week I introduced a concept, and I said this came, uh, uh, it's a biblical concept, but the, the person who gave it a, a, a name was... Um, Warren Wiersbe, who is a writer uh, of multiple uh, commentaries, and he talked, called it grace giving. Grace giving is not just regular giving. Grace giving means that God blesses the giver as well as the gift, and that the giver is a blessing to others. It's not just giving and the other person's blessed, but you're blessed as well. It ties in with this whole concept of what it means to be blessed. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you want to have your Bible and you want to turn, that's where we're going to stay out for a little while today. We're going to look at this, we're going to talk about this, because Paul gives an example of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, and he talks about what, what, means, what does it mean to live in, in the midst of grace giving, the kind of giving that not only blesses the person that you give to, but blesses you as well. And how do you know you're even in that kind of giving mode? When you do that, well, Paul gives a great example of that uh, as well. And he, he, he kind of like the, the summary of the verse is in verse 7. And we'll start there, but then we'll go back and look at some other verses. And Paul says this, he says, Just as you excel in everything else, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, he says, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. The grace of giving. And, and so grace of giving basically means this. I respond to God... I respond to his grace to me. What is grace? Grace means unmerited, undeserved favor. None of us deserve what God gives us. But God gives it to us anyway. It's unconditional. It's not based on your performance. Whoop. That was close. And the thing is, is... He wants us to, Paul says, and you do excel in that because here's the background of the passage, 2 Corinthians 8. There was, this is really the third missionary journey of, of Paul. He'd gone on several what they call missionary journeys where he planted churches all over the Mediterranean realm, rim around the perimeter there in a lot of different places. And he was on his third missionary journey. He was going back to a lot of the places he had been before. And one of the things he was trying to do is trying to encourage the church in Jerusalem. And he was going to encourage the church in Jerusalem. They were going through a lot of hardships. A lot of tough times. These were mostly the Jewish uh, converts who had become Christians. And now a lot of these other churches were Gentile churches, non-Jewish churches. And he, what he wanted to do was to encourage the people there to build a bond between the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. 
And what he wanted to do was he wanted to encourage them. So what he, what he did is he challenged all the churches around that he had planted to give them an offering. An offering to, to take back, he could take back to the Jerusalem church to encourage them during their time of, uh, of need. And so Paul tells this, tells this story, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he talks about, in a sense, he talks about how can we tell when we're practicing grace giving. And Paul indicated there were a number of evidences that appear when our giving is motivated by grace, by our love for God and our appreciation for what God does. And the example he gives, it begins in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where he says this, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The first point that Paul makes is this. He said, you can know your grace giving when you give in spite of circumstances. It's not based upon the fact that you have a lot of stuff, but you give in spite of circumstances because he says here, and he commends the Macedonian church, and he's writing to the Corinthian church, by the way, which he's contrasting here the, the two type of mindsets they have. The Macedonian churches that Paul uses as an example had gone through, as so we can read the history, have gone through severe difficulties. And yet they had given generously to this offering to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Jerusalem church. And they had not simply, and the Bible says, the words here don't sometimes um, help us to understand, but they experienced a great trial of affliction. They, they weren't just going through some little time, uh, not just kind of a bad, bad, having a bad hair day or anything. They were, they were going through some really bad times. And the word, it means extreme poverty, which means the, they were rock bottom destitute. That's how bad this church was. It was going through that. But in the midst of this, not because they had a lot of resources to give away, but in the midst of this, they, they gave. The word describes, the word they use here for uh, the, the extreme poverty uh, means a beggar who has absolutely nothing and has no hope of getting anything else. That's how severe this was in the Greek language there. And so there's a difficult situation. You know, it's always something to say. I heard people all the time say, well, I can't give because I don't have much. I don't get, can't give because I don't have much. Well, Jesus says, you know, when, you know, the reality is, is that, that you came to me, when you, before you came to me, you were nothing. And whatever you have is mine. And, and so what I want you to do is that I want you to give out of grace, out, out of love for me. I want you to give in that way. And so it has nothing. One of the thing, keys that shows that we give out of grace giving, it's not just in our overflow. But it's also even our times when we're going through a tough time. And this difficult situation may have been caused in part because of the Macedonian church Christian faith, because uh, maybe some of them have lost their jobs or been excluded from the trade guilds because they refused to have anything to do with the idolatry of the day. But their circumstances did not hinder them from giving. In fact, it says they gave what? Joyfully and liberally. So the first thing that Paul says that it's an evidence of you living in the kind of giving and the kind of mindset that allows you to do grace giving, which means I give and I'm blessed because of my giving, is because I give even in spite of my, of my financial situation. When I have, see something and I see something going on, I'm, let me tell you, I'm, I'm just going to say this. My, I'm so proud of my kids. I talked to my daughter yesterday on the phone and talked to her for a good while. and She, she was just talking to us and, and she, was, she, uh, she and her husband moved from here uh, about two and a half, three years ago and uh, moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, job situation. And for a long time, uh, Jeremy, my son-in-law, was laid off and finally got a job in real estate. 
And if those who do real estate know it takes a long time to actually build up a client, then he's starting to make a little bit of a headway. But at the same time, it's still kind of tough. And, and she was talking about, and she was talking about how what a blessing it was that the other day, unexpectedly, this one house closed and they got some money, so they was able to buy a whole new set of tires for their car. You know, how what a blessing that was. And then they talked about she then she was talking about how cool it was because they had been able to give, and she wasn't doing this in a braggy way, she was simply saying, Hey Dad, this is so great, because they had given to this other family who was in need in their community, who'd gone through a tough time that their eight-year-old, this is hard to say, eight-year-old committed suicide. And they had other kids as well. And she said, Dad, we just try to encourage them. And I'm going, here's my daughter and her husband who've gone through, making ends meet, excited about getting a check that's large enough to buy, buy, buy four tires for their own car, and are still living. That's grace-giving. That's an example of giving liberally even when you don't have a lot of stuff. That's when you can be proud as a parent and go like, yes, they understand. So that's the first thing. That when you're, you're practicing grace giving, when you give in spite of circumstances. The second thing Paul says is in verses 3 and 4. He says this, For I testify that they gave, talking about the Macedonian church, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urge they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the lord's people basically it means this one of the things that says that we're given in the way god wants us to give and have the kind of heart we want to have toward the resources we have is that we give enthusiastically we just don't give it grudgingly i mean it's 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 possible to give generously without doing it enthusiastically is that true you can give generously without doing it enthusiastically. You can kind of go, well, you know, I've heard people say, well, I'm going to give till it hurts. I don't know if you ever said that before. Maybe some people have the idea, well, you know, for, <laughs> they say, well, you know, for me, it hurts just to think about giving, you know? <laughs> so the reality is sometimes that's what, see, the Macedonian churches here that, that Paul talks about needed no prompting or reminding as did the church at Corinth. Let me tell you why, why that's important. Right, once again, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. A year before in Scripture, they had said, hey, yeah, we'll give toward this. We'll give toward this offering when Paul had talked to them about it. Guess what happened? It's a year later. Hadn't given anything. They said they would, but they didn't. They, you know, they didn't follow through. We'll talk about that in a minute. See, the Macedonian churches didn't need any prompting because they, out of the grace, out of their, out of their love for God, out of their commitment to what he's doing in the world, he, they wanted to be a church that, that gave, us, that gave in, in spite of the fact of their, of their uh, not having much. And they begged to be included in the offering. Even though I'm sure Paul, knowing what their situation was going like, these folks can't afford to give. I mean, how many of you, I've learned this over the years, how many of you have heard of Christians beg for money sometimes? Some of you come and you're going like, man, you know, I, I, great oaks, we don't beg for money. We just simply say, here's what the Bible says. Here's what, you know, we encourage you to do. That's what I'm talking about today. I'm not tell, here to beg for anything. We just paid off our debt. You know, we're looking forward to the future. But the reality is, you know, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And so the thing is, right there is this, is that, you know, the giving, the kind of giving that comes out of a love relationship with God, it's called grace giving, it's voluntary and spontaneous, it was of grace, not pressure. See, it's kind of like this, grace not only frees us from our sins, 
But it also frees us from ourselves. The grace of God will open your heart and your hand. And so your giving is not a result of cold calculation, but of warm-hearted jubilation, in a sense. So that's the second thing Paul talks about here in the next two verses. Now, then he talks about a third thing. He says in verses, in verses 5 through 9, he says, we're practicing grace giving when we give as Jesus gave. That's what he says, in a sense. Let me, let me just read it for you, and you can kind of pierce it together here. It says, and it says this, going back to the Macedonian church, and they exceeded our expectations in their offering. They gave themselves first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as, he had earlier made, uh, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also the completion, to completion this act of grace on your part. He was the go-between. But since you excel in everything, in faith, this is the verse I read earlier, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, talking once again to the Corinthian church, in complete earnestness and in the knowledge and the love we have kindled, you see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And then he says this, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. What is he saying? He's going, Corinthian church, you said you wanted to be generous. You said you had in your mind, you know, you know how often have you said, well, I meant well. Well, meaning well without following through is like, worth not much right that's what he's talking about here paul is saying he's comparing this the corinthian church that he says to the earnestness of others the macedonian church for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was though he was rich that, that though he was rich yet for the, your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich and so what does Paul say here? Paul is saying this. Once again, this grace giving is this. Like Jesus Christ, the Macedonian Christians gave themselves to God first and to others. It means that they, their heart was right with Him. When your heart is right with God, it changes your perspective on what's in your hand. If we give ourselves to God, we will have little problem giving our substance to God. If we give ourselves to God, we will also give of ourselves for others. It is impossible, listen, it is impossible to love God and ignore the needs of your neighbor. Right? I don't hear anybody, this is not an amen church. I'd love to have an amen once in a while. On it. it is impossible to love God and ignore the needs of your neighbor because the Bible tells us what? The first and greatest commandment, love God as yourself and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I guess that means if you don't care for your neighbor, you hate yourself. The reality is, Paul is saying to us, the Macedonian Christians were Christians who understood this whole thing of grace giving. It wasn't because they had a lot, it wasn't because of anything. They were enthusiastically giving to God. That is what grace giving is all about. That's what God wants us to have. He wants us to understand that our stuff is just stuff that God has loaned to us. See, the Macedonians giving, Paul talks, it was like Christ. It was motivated by love. And what a rebuke to the Corinthian church who were so enriched. And, and if you read the whole, the whole letter of 2 Corinthians, you know what the biggest problem in 2 Corinthians was? The Corinthian church was all going worrying about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. You know, I need to have this gift, that gift, whatever gift. And Paul is saying, hey, dude, you got a lot of gifts, but you're not using them for God's purposes. Don't get hung up on what gift you have, 
because the most important thing is loving people and loving God. And while the Corinthians had an abundance of spiritual gifts, they were lax in keeping their promise and sharing in the collection. And Paul was careful that they understood that he was not ordering them to give because if they give out of, out of because he ordered them to, it wouldn't be the kind of giving God wants you to have. So, giving like Jesus gave is another example. And then finally, the last, uh, well, actually you'll see, couple more verses here we're going to look at this morning. They're going to kind of tie some things together in Scripture. Verses 10 through 12. The third thing, that, or the fourth thing that Paul talked about here, I think it's the fourth thing, when we're practicing grace-giving is we give willingly. We give willingly. Verses 10 and 12. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. He said, last year, you were the first, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. But he said he got, they got started, they talked about it, they had this desire to do so. He said, he said to the Corinthian church, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. He's saying this. He said, I'm not asking you to give proportional gifts here, folks. I'm, what I'm asking you to give, give willingly a proportion of what you have. See, there's a great difference, he says, between a promise and a performance. The Corinthians had boasted to Titus a year before they would share in the special collection, but they didn't keep their promise. And note that Paul emphasized willingness. Grace giving must come from a willing heart. It cannot be forced or coerced. A sign to me that a person, and, and I believe this is a biblical sign to me that a person has, has their heart right with God, is that their hand is open. And if we don't have our hand open, our heart may not be right with God. Because like I said, the, ver- the Bible talks about it 2,000 some times, that giving. That's why it talks about it. God wants to have our heart. He doesn't need our money. But our money is a sign of where our heart is. Paul didn't say that being willing was a substitute for doing because it's not. But our giving is motivated, when our giving is motivated by grace, we will give willingly, not because we've been forced to give. It's kind of like in the Old Testament, when the people were giving to the temple to rebuild the temple. This is what it says in 1 Chronicles 29.9. It says this, this is what the, the people rejoiced, for they had given how? Freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. That is the giving that, God, that blesses you. That is the, the living of a life that blesses you. When your life is such, you're so content in where you are, doesn't mean you don't have desires or, or try to go forward in life, but the reality is that whatever you have, it's God's. And you open your hands to Him. And your heart to Him. And that's what the people did. The people rejoiced. So, let me conclude today by saying it this way. How do you... How do you All of you, me, honor God with our giving. How do we do that? Well, the Bible gives us exactly how to do that. You're going like, what do I do? I mean, where do I start? Well, the reality is this. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, it says this, this. On the first day of every week, set aside some of what you have earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. It's going like, what does that mean? 
It means regularly give. Don't just do it haphazardly. You know, sometimes, you know, one of the things that's, that's really, that's, that's good about online giving, but it's also bad about online giving, it's incredibly easy. And if your heart is touched by something, a lot of times if something happens, let me tell you, uh, how long ago was the Washington, Washington tornado? Three, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. Two and a half years ago, something like that. Woo, got a little hum there. Okay, we're good. I got to step away. Okay, thank you. I stepped in front of a speaker, and my, my sound guy's pointing. Move, move. Uh, anyway, when that happened, you know what happened here locally with people's purses and pocket purses? I don't know if we, people carry purses. I mean, girl, women do, but not guys. Pocket, there was so much money given toward that that, pe- that there's still money sitting in the bank and funds that hadn't been used yet. Do you know that? Now, it should have probably been used, but it just got tied up in a bunch of stuff. But people were calling the church and going like, I want to give, I want to give, I want to give. And we're going, we had people from out, out of town. They don't even go to Great Oaks, and there's no tie to Great Oaks. And going like, well, I know somebody that goes to Great Oaks, and I believe that y'all use your money wisely, so I want to give it to you guys to use for them. And so people's hearts were open to that, and that is great. But if that's the only way we give, we're just doing it whenever our hearts are kind of touched a little bit. But what Paul is saying, or what, what um, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, don't just do it that way. Because the Lord's work takes consistent giving, and you're hopefully consistently, you know, you're, you're consistently giving to God, not just simply out of what's moved, but because you're committed. So what does God say how to do that? He says, he says in a sense, and then, it, and then this is the word, I know you, you're going to hate this one, this part of the sermon, but I don't care. Um, because this is what the Bible says, it, it, it teaches, it's this. It says in Leviticus 27:30, "A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, is the holy to the Lord." What is a tithe? A tithe is a tenth. That's the word. What the word literally means? A tenth. And so God in the Old Testament gives us this principle several different places there. And, and the reason is this: we need guidelines, right? We need guidelines. Now let's not be legalistic about it. That is just a starting point. But one of the things that I believed in and I've, and I've done for ever since I've been a Christian, my parents taught me this years ago, is that, ten, and I taught my kids this years ago, is that when whatever I have, 10% belongs to God right off the top. No problem. And if you begin that, and if you haven't been doing that, let me tell you, it's, it's, it's like scary. How can I, you can do it, guaranteed. And, and, there's, and, and the reason is also God wants to bless you. There's blessings of the tithe. Let me give you three real quick. Tithing provides for God's work. You know what it says in Malachi 3.10? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That in that day was a, a, a thing of the ministry that was going on. The reason that Great Oaks and every other church in the world can do the ministries, the reason we can send a team to Peru and hopefully build relationships with people in Peru, the reason that we can minister and work through organizations in our area, the reason that we can reach kids through, through, uh, through cross-training and regular, all the kids over there this week and all, adults and everything, the reason we can do that is because people give. And they give regularly to Great Oaks. If you're not doing that, you need to. You need to. 
because it's a blessing. Because when you're a part of this, I tell people all the time, go, I'm really excited. Brett, I'll just pick on you. Okay, you're sitting right here in the front. The other day I was at the chiropractor office, okay? And Brett was going, I'm so excited about this Peru team. Woo! I want to take my whole family to Peru. And I'm going like, hold on, dude. Let's, let's do the, the trip first. But, but you were excited because you're involved, okay? And other people talk about how excited they're about, about things that God's doing because they're involved. And they're not only involved, and I don't have a clue about what anybody gives, okay? I don't have a clue what anybody gives. But when you're invested in something, when you're invested in something, and you see it working in ways, that is a blessing. And so the first blessing of giving, of tithing, that's the starting point, is it provides for God's work. The second one is this, tithing teaches me to put God first. It teaches me to put God first. And you know why I know that? Because it says it in Scripture, Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Is that, can it be any more black and white? That's the purpose. And you give it off the top, not off the end. And finally, tithing increases my faith in God. That's the third thing that it does. The Bible says in Malachi 3.10, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God says, hey, you know that's what I said a while ago, you can do it. I have tithed, and this is not patting me on the back, simply a thing that my... My parents taught me, and anybody that does this knows that's the truth as well. When you give to God, sometimes you're wondering how all the rest of it works out, but it does. That's one of them faith things. But some of you are going like, oh, Bill, you know, you just quoted three Old Testament passages. It's Old Testament, right? Let me just blow that away right now. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, when he's talking to the Pharisees, a bunch of religious people about all, their, all following the rules and everything and how they were all, you know, they were all real good about following rules. He says this, For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then he says this, You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus says, hey, he commends tithing. But he says it's not just stopping there. That's just the starting point. And so two things as I wrap up here. Let me just give you two reasons, two things to do if you're considering, you know, learning to give great, uh, from a grace standpoint. Number one, give strategically. Give strategically. Don't just give whenever you feel like it. Make a commitment to give on a regular basis. Isaiah 32, 8 says this, but generous people plan to do what is generous. Don't just kind of like, Well, I feel like it, so I'm going to do it. I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. You plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. I've had so many people over the years that have gone through tough times, and they said, one of the the things I still did was I tithed. My my tithe went down, way down. But I still do it because I believe that God wants me to do that. And that shows incredible faith in God. And the second thing is give sacrificially. I love what Jesus says. Yes, this is where Jesus kind of points it out. In Mark 12, it says, Jesus sat on opposite the place where the offerings were put in, watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. 
This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. And they're looking confused like, she gave one little coin and they gave like thousands of dollars. And then he says this, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on. I've understood this. Grace giving, going back to the Macedonian church, grace giving is done enthusiastically. It has nothing to do with how much you have. It has everything to do with expressing your love to God through keeping an open hand. And when you do that, guess what? That's what it means to be blessed. That's what it means to be blessed. And you will experience blessings and contentment in your life better than any time in your world. No matter how much you had or how little you had, you'll be content in all things like Paul talks about. So the question is this, will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? And how will you express that in your life? Because in Ecclesiastes 5 it says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. That's a promise from Scripture that I think we all know. But we just have to appropriate in our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you so, so much for your love. Father, I know you love me and you, know, and, and you want what's best for me. And God, I recognize that all, I, all that I have or will ever have comes from you. I, and God, I am more interested in pleasing you than in having more possessions. I really mean that. I want you to have first place in my life and I'm willing to begin and for those of you who've never done this before, I want you to pray this. I'm willing to begin tithing as you've commanded. I do it out of gratitude for all you've done for me. And in the expectation that you will continue to provide for me, I commit myself to returning at least 10% of all that I have back to you. Because that's what you command me, God, in Scripture. Not because you need the money, but because you want our heart. God, I want to... I wanna, for all of us to begin investing for eternity. God, more than anything else, help, to, help me to remain faithful to this commitment. For God, I really do want to be blessed the way that you say it means to be blessed in your word. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.